Ready? Three, two, one. Welcome to episode 12 of Artist Impressions. This week I'm joined by painter, sculptor and dancer Marina Renekemic. Marina studied at Glasgow School of Art and has just graduated from the Royal Drawing School's Drawing Year course. She currently has a portrait on display at the Mile Galleries as part of the Royal Society of Portrait Painters exhibition and she has just received a Tony Stones Award from the Society of Portrait Sculptors for her sculpture, Woman Sitting. So congratulations Thank you for coming on the podcast. How are you? Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm really good. I'm a bit soggy. I've just been outside and it's raining in London. But yeah, happy to be here with you. It's so it's so lovely to talk to you. Um, this this interview for, for listeners, this interview comes after you gave a talk for the Dorset Art Society last week. Um, and you and your work were sort of really influential on me as um, as a teenager at school. And it, it was so lovely to hear you sort of speak through um your your work over the last few years um and I thought for this interview let's start with what you're working on right now what's inspiring you how has how have you managed to navigate covid um yeah what's what what are you what are you making at the moment okay so um well right now I have some shows coming up I've got three shows coming up for the the final exhibition of the Royal Drawing School um, and I was working at the, the, the point between lockdowns in kind of September. Um, I was lucky enough to go up to Scotland with um, one of my really good friends. And we we did a lot of just like living in Havan and um, wild swimming and roaming around in nature. And ha- I think having been in London for lockdown in a very like, concentrated space I was living with 12 people in a warehouse um and you know not being able to leave um was very intense so to have that contrast between like city life and then um nature and just being submerged in nature uh was such a like haven of an experience and so I started making work um looking at like bathing um and quite influenced by Degas women like washing and so I made this series of drawings and paintings that were all to do with like the ritual of um almost like purifying yourself through through bathing um which also kind of linked to my degree show from Glasgow School of Art where I created the it was like a bathtub but made out of steel that had no walls so it was completely dysfunctional but it had a figure that I that was like a rib cage sit of a sitting man um in this kind of bathtub and I was thinking of it as a space of contemplation and reflection and where we have a chance to be by ourselves, you know in solitude and just um I don't know I suppose yeah reflect and and look at our bodies um and a kind of womb-like space as well so when lockdown happened the first time all of these ideas kind of resurfaced I guess because being isolated and um, having a lot of time to reflect and go inward so that's kind of where it started and then um, yeah I've produced a series of drawings and I've been working a lot on found objects as well Um, uh, so yeah I have a body of work to do with that basically which I'm going to be showing in the Shoreditch show at the Space Gallery um, in London and then I also have all the, the body of work from the drawing school, which is quite separate. Um, but there's obviously uh, crossovers and the work intertwines. And that'll be at uh, Shoreditch. Uh, no, yeah, at Shoreditch. That one's at Shoreditch. The other one's in Hackney. Um, and I'm really interested to ask you about your experience at the drawing school. Um, because, I mean, I know drawing's always been fundamental to your practice, but I'm wondering what was it like to sort of strip back to completely focus on drawing um and how did that manifest in your work um so when I began the drawing school I think I immediately had a reaction to kind of push against it so I suddenly <laughs> wanted to do everything but drawing like yeah. sculpture and performance and then 
I kind of had to take a moment to just evaluate where I was and go back to drawing because I think during my degree at Glasgow, I, I didn't draw that much. I mean, I drew a lot, but actually less than I'd drawn previously. And it became a lot more to do with the concepts and ideas mm. um, leading the work. So it kind of manifested in different ways in performance and, um, and sculpture. And yeah, I, I was experimenting a lot with different kind of practices and getting to grips with different materials. And so I wanted to come to the drawing school to really ref, like refine mm. my love for drawing and go back to the reason that I create work in the first place um, and take it away from this kind of uh, highly conceptual space and back to the practice of, of drawing. So, um, yeah, at the drawing school, you draw every day, <laughs> practically. You can create your own um, schedule but they have all different classes that you can choose from and I wanted to make the most of it so I threw myself in to doing like all day every day probably like 10 till 9 in the evening which was a bit intense I have to say but uh, the practice of of constantly drawing um, you don't really have time to think mm. So you just produce and produce and produce and slowly you become more and more sensitive to uh, what you're trying to capture. And, and I, you know, it's not like this is how you draw. They don't, they don't teach you how to draw, but um, they facilitate you being able to express yourself in kind of any way through, through dry materials, basically. Um, We don't use paint in the life rooms, but there's a mixture of observational drawing, drawing at the National Gallery, um anatomy classes and it just becomes your way of thinking like all I'd get back on the bus after having you know a full day of like you know nine hours of drawing and I'd start drawing because it was almost like the only thing I knew how to do um so yeah to be plunged fully back into that practice daily practice as well um which I'd kind of fallen out of because when I was younger I used to draw in sketchbooks every day um but then life kind of you know takes takes over um so for me it's just been it's been amazing and it's gone on for two years instead of one year which um of course was has been like quite tumultuous with covid but i think my drawings have changed quite a lot um it's all very still like still very fresh i think once i've had space away from the drawing school um after these shows and everything because it's such a busy time right now I think I'll I'll be able to stand back and really see what I've what I've learned and how I how my practice has changed but yeah fundamentals of drawing have come straight back in um as like a way of thinking and uh and also not um like any anything you can draw anything I've kind of learned this I knew before you know you can obviously draw anything you want but um it opened up my practice to being able to draw from um works from throughout history or magazine clippings or my bedroom or you know anything can be interpreted through through your eyes through your body and out onto the page and then it becomes part of part of your practice and your language of expression so that's been really fascinating for me to learn as well. Oh, that sounds like the dream to draw every day. That sounds really amazing. And I think even um, we were talking just before um, we started recording about um, that I'd been following the Royal Drawing School and just that thing you were saying about you can draw anything. They um, Maybe you did this. They were talking about on their Instagram doing um, drawing from films and just pausing when you like a, a shot. And I think... I'd always been quite precious about sort of having to draw from life and not draw from someone else's. And, and, and now I do, if I see a frame I like, I'll just pause and sketch it. And I imagine that on a, such a large scale, doing that every day, feel it, feeling like you can just express things that you're interested in, in drawing must be really amazing. Um, yeah, it is. It gives you complete freedom, yeah. I think. Because I, I also used to be quite... Um, aware in a way of of not wanting to like 
take something out of its original context. Yeah. But actually you transform it into something else. I mean, also for copyright reasons, when you draw something, it's then your own. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't void copyright. So um, you can just, yeah, take from anything, which, yeah. I mean, the the drawing from film classes are great because also it's, you only get uh, four minutes. We do it so we have four minutes, which means that you produce so many drawings. Yeah. And in a similar way, like you don't have time to think about it. So you're just capturing what you see and I remember one of my teachers saying um you know if you don't know what you're interested in don't don't necessarily try and like find it through analysis but Mm. draw every day draw something every day or maybe it's like a teacup or something um very simple that you see every day draw every day don't look at it just put it to one side and when do it every day for a month and then get all your drawings out and look at them and from that you'll be able to see where your interest is whether it's in the space or the light or the form or you know all these different elements that you can that you can like navigate your work through yeah um, which I thought was a really nice way of um, not over conceptualizing something but discovering it through the way that you work yeah, yeah. um following on from that um in in your talk last week you spoke really beautifully about um a teacher you had in Kyoto and and um the influence of um that mentorship on your work in that um specific instance and I was wondering um if you could talk a bit about sort of having mentors along the way and a sort of at Glasgow School of Art and at Arts University Bournemouth and at Hardy's um and I have ex- sort of experiences of my own of those places um and I suppose I should mention your parents as well who are also artists um and I was wondering if you could talk about the significance of mentorship on your practice maybe both in a sort of really positive way or perhaps fuel to follow your own path um does that yeah does that question make sense yeah yeah totally I mean I think mentorship is it's as a as a mentor it's a wonderful thing to give Mm. and and to receive it I I know I think you know everybody has teachers that really stand out to them Mm. or they they, you know you remember when you're working you you have their words in your mind yeah and Miss Davies who was in the the talk taught us both yeah she's always there yeah oh yeah I, I, yeah I think maybe even when I'm not drawing just when if I'm ever doing anything creative she's there in my head definitely yeah and I, I think that's because probably we respect we respected her so much and her opinion and yeah I just valued her mm. uh, her encouragement which was very minimal but yep. powerful <laughs> um so yeah for me she was one of the one of the first sort of really strong mentors that I had other than my parents, of course, of course. who, um, who come from quite different backgrounds. So my mum went to art school, so she has a more kind of conceptual mm. depth to her work and she works in ceramics and, um, used to make a lot of land art that was site specific. Um, and then my dad, didn't go to university at all but he is a sculptor and he he trained as a taxidermist when he was a lot younger so he comes from a very kind of practical side and slightly more maybe like illustrative um way that he works but you know they never taught me how to draw but Mm -hmm. I think being surrounded by art materials and uh just to have a sensitivity towards Mm -hmm. creativity I value so much now you know now I understand it um because my mum you know we'd have clay and she had a kiln and we could play with the clay and so I think it it taught me a lot about materials when I was very young just through like osmosis um so I I feel like I have quite a strong understanding and a natural sort of affiliation towards materials and the way they work um and I think as I've got older as well um we influence each other. So my dad, my dad lives in Cumbria, but uh, when, when I was younger, he didn't used to do many portraits. Whereas my mom is very, um, she's always drawn people as part of her practice. So I remember when I was really little, I would draw people and she'd say like, Oh no, the anatomy's all wrong. Just do it again. And I'd be like, Oh, I just spent like hours drawing that. Um, 
but so even that then I'd be like okay I'll draw it again so it gave me um a sense of like uh, not being precious about my work yeah so I would so I learned very quickly like if, it, if it's wrong or if you know if there's a mis is something that you don't want to be there just change it immediately yeah which makes you learn quicker I think because you don't hold on to the the areas that are like not mistakes because I think mistakes are wonderful and they're like part of the process to to value but um yeah so so my dad started drawing portraits with me almost like so he he was inspired by me and then we'd go and we'd sit in cafes and we'd draw together and it, it was this really like beautiful bonding moment as well I mean my parents broke up when I was two so like I've I've also not lived with my dad much so it was like a real amazing way for us to develop together and learn together um and going back to the the tutor in Kyoto um yeah I think it's when people say something quite profound that's that resonates deeply with you so I didn't have um it was when I was an exchange in Japan and uh, he he only taught me taught me paper making mm. um quite briefly but yeah one day he said uh your drawings are very strong but you need to find ma which is a Japanese concept of space and he said look at the way a tree grows with space around every branch to breathe and grow that's ma so I was like yeah. Wow. How am I gonna <laughs> how am I gonna find that? Um but I think the the sense of space did change in my work after that. Um and learning to leave pauses or emptinesses that aren't that aren't empty. Mm-hmm. There the potential for to be filled with the viewer's imagination or, you know, with this this idea of like not feeding everything to the viewer. Um so that there's space for them as well to interpret or um to fill that with their own knowledge and understanding i think that's become quite or is growing it's like developing still um in my work but yeah i've had mentors kind of all the way through my life in and out you know and i think now as a teacher um i'm teaching with the royal drawing school on the young persons program um it's it's important to think back to what you learn from and how the way that you learn or the way that I learn and then try and give as much as you can. Um, I think mentorship is, is powerful and it's like an exchange of energy, you know, of, of giving and receiving. And that's like how we develop as humans through like storytelling and sharing what we've learned. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's invaluable really. Um, you answered look, this orange post-it note. It says teaching. And hey. you answered my question. <laughs> um, yes, no, that's lovely. I think always, there are always people who keep, stay in your mind as, and sort of things people say. And probably even, I think just, maybe not even like a specific work of yours or just, I think just your presence around, I think that stayed in the art department after, at least for me, stayed in I mean your work was still everywhere and I think I think I I probably rarely get my sketchbook out without like thinking about your sketchbooks and um yeah so I would I'd love to come to one of your classes but you teach on the young course don't you so maybe I'm a bit old um. yeah but I also <laughs> I mean I set up a um also thank you that means so much quite like <laughs> me blush um and I think I left all my, my artwork at the school just because I didn't, my mum was like, well, you're not putting it in the house. So um, I think probably, I don't know, some of it probably got discarded somewhere. Um, but yeah, also I teach with, occasionally I teach with the Drawing Life Glasgow, mm. which um, is a life drawing class that I kind of, I helped set up with Hugo Vanguard in, in Glasgow. And it's like very cheap life drawing sessions that we, we wanted to, you know, offer to people and also ways to train models. So um, the models didn't have to pay to, to learn how to model. So, you know, we'd give them like workshops and that, that was a great experience actually mm-hmm. facilitating, you know, setting up and, and Hugo had been to the drawing school. He'd done like a short term 
there. So coming to the drawing school now, I also see what he'd learned and picked up and then, um, you know, gave back to, mm. to Glasgow. So I was teaching in at the beginning of lockdown. I did a 10 week course on the self-portrait inspired by different artists, um, which I might I might do another one. I'd love to do it in person. I feel mm. like I haven't taught in person for, for so long. But yeah, it's nice to be able to offer it online because in the last class I had people from Canada and yeah. uh, Ireland and you know, then it opens up worldwide in a way. So. Um, my next question is something I noticed you didn't really mention in your talk. And so not really something I want to like dwell on a huge amount, but I noticed you didn't really talk about like the art market or the art world. Um, and for me, that was really refreshing because sort of having finished a history of art course, it's sort of so heavily focused on the art world and the art market. Um, but I was wondering how much you have to think about it and or how much you're able to sort of distance yourself from it. Um, and also that feeds into another question, which I'm sort of, reticent to ask because I find it a sort of boring topic but I'm so interested on your in your um perspective on sort of particularly oil painting and sort of traditional mediums being sort of a bit overlooked sometimes but then but then they're not overlooked by so many people that I'm part I'm a little bit not interested in thinking about it but I suppose this question comes from sort of I went to Arts University Bournemouth and definitely found that my paints weren't especially welcome or, you know, my questions about how many life drawing classes we'll have and that sort of thing. And so I, I wonder how you navigate that or if you're able to just sort of ignore it and get on with. Um, but then again, you do, you work in multiple mediums and I want to ask you about that as well. So, um, yeah, that now I just... That's a big ramble. Does that make sense as a, it, yeah, as a yeah, question? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think firstly to do with oil paint, um, it's such a traditional medium. Mm. And I think it takes a lot of time yeah. and patience and it's a whole alchemy to learn and, mm. and to also deal with the weight of art history. Yeah. That um, is a huge kind of task to take on. Yeah. Um, and I think actually having grappled with, you know, this, this idea of like, you know, should I be a digital artist or what medium should I move towards? Now everything is so digitalized and I think our generation is, it's such, you know, we, we, we take things so quickly. Mm. We take in information. Our attention span is, is much shorter now than, you know, even 20 years ago. And I think that makes oil painting even more valuable actually that, that in the process of it, you, there's such a sense of time. Um, of course you can knock out oil paintings quickly, but even for them to dry takes can take months. So I think that is very valuable. That's that not, not primitive, but like, you know, that, that sense of time that we don't, maybe in this generation, we don't have such a connection to it now because we haven't really lived through mm. having to like really work for something. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's quite a broad statement. Um, but it and it also links to drawing I think you know you can't just magically get good at drawing um, you, it takes time for your body to understand and for you to see and then you know take it through your body and onto a page and really learn um, how to translate what you see so I think it's very relevant still. And I think there's a res research as well for oil towards oil painting. Um, and I almost kick against kind of digitalized work. Not all of it. I think, I think you know, there's so much of it that is very um, valuable and, and important and can take the work in a new way. You know, even having like these digitalized gallery spaces now um, is, is an amazing way to view art when you can't go to a gallery but at the same time, there's nothing quite the same as looking at a painting. And for me, also sitting and, look and you know, being on the receiving end of looking at a painting, that also takes time. Um, on the internet, I think, you know, images come so quickly and we can just look them up and you have Leonardo da Vinci's, you know, I don't know, paintings in front of you. 
whereas before you would have to go on like a pilgrimage to a church or a space that is designed in a site-specific way um, that the painting has been created for a space and that's a very different experience um, for example when I was in Florence I was I got the John Kinross award to travel to Florence and um, seeing Michelangelo's sculptures in the flesh in the spaces that they were created for like the Medici chapel was just so profound like the lighting that we mm. I think I forget sometimes that lighting is so important in sculpture um, so you have to see a sculpture in like a bright white gallery space is such a different experience than if you were to go into like a dimly lit candle lit chapel yeah um, and there's that sense of like holiness or uh, resonance that an atmosphere is created and I love work that you kind of um, you go into a space that is you know there's an atmosphere that's created by by that space if that answers the first one part of yes, your question no, it does, it does. <laughs> and then going back to um yeah the what was the second, second part was to do with the art art oh, market art market yeah um so I suppose I'm like at the beginning of my career uh, just about to step into the world of the art market. And I feel like I've been quite sheltered from it um, until now. Not through want of, you know, trying, because I think at Glasgow School of Art, and maybe these institutions um, where you, from, you know, for your degree or, for my example, for my master's, they've both been quite sheltered against the art market. Mm. And I don't know if that's so that the students really get a chance to just work produce work and focus on the creation of it um without being sort of you know marred or having this pressure uh of of the work being seen and instead just being free to create um i would have quite liked to know a bit more about mm. the art market instead of having you know i've done quite a lot of my own research but also in a way it's quite a horrible place i feel it really yeah um I watched a documentary recently that was, it was, yeah, about, basically about the art market and um, all these huge collectors and dealers. And really the artists, you know, they have their first sale where they receive the money for, mm. for the piece of work. And then when it goes on to second and third sales, that's when it starts to be valuable for the, for the art market yeah. um, in a wider context. But, you know, the work will sell for, thousands and thousands of pounds and the artist doesn't receive any of it um and then it becomes this sort of game um and also artists get no it's a bit like typecasting for actors you know they get known yeah. for a style and then to move away from that can be so detrimental to their career yeah um because i well this is just my interpretation but i feel like the art market runs on money it's all it's a oh, money making system yeah and the artists aren't really you know they're they're small the creators and I think most artists they just want to create they want to be able yeah. to continue producing work and it's not really about the money so I mean some certain artists obviously um are in it for the for the kind of business side but there is a pressure to create your own business as an artist mm. you know even on platforms like Instagram and yeah. I feel like a lot of my time is taken up uh promoting myself and you know trying to create this um visual thread which I find quite hard being a multidisciplinary artist I think um sometimes I feel pressured to kind of separate out my work which maybe you do as well because you have theatre mm. and visual arts and I also mm. have theatre and visual arts and it's been such a difficult um balance because theatre and performance always comes back into my life yeah but it it doesn't always sit well with when I explain like what I do and I do all these things I dance yeah. I perform I sculpt yeah. I, um and I think that's a lot harder for someone to understand than if you just say I'm a painter you know, yeah. so, okay I can understand you within that yeah. frame yeah, that yeah, box. Yeah. yeah but now I think now as well it, there's more multidisciplinary artists and there's more awareness of, of artists that kind of move more fluidly between between mediums um and I suppose that's why fine art 
is I mean my understanding of fine art is that it comes from the concept and and that kind of leads whatever medium you work in if that answers your question yes no yeah it very much does you're right I I do think even I find if I design a a show rather than direct a show they're like oh you're designing now and I'm like I just just want to do it all (laughs) um but yeah and I, I think maybe that partly comes from the art market needing to put a label on people um but yes let's move on to talk about the your sort of multiple mediums um because I was thinking sort of dancing and and the puppetry you do it's a very it's in theory a sort of different making and sharing process um but I was wondering it must come from the same place are there similar themes you're drawn to yeah sort of how how do you relate what's the relationship between um the mediums well I think I'm still kind of discovering that really Mm. I really am looking at how they can begin to cross over I've just received the arts council grant um to basically find my voice between visual arts and, and performance. Mm. Um, so I'm going to work with a lot of theatre companies uh, and dancers and puppetry to basically do exactly that, to discover where they can meet. But I suppose the thread that runs through them all is, is the body. I think the human body is, you know, has always been a fascination and um, a language because I danced from when I was eight years old. Um, it taught me, it taught me a sense of um, sp- like space, spatial awareness mm. and nonverbal dialogue. So when you're dancing, you're communicating often completely through your body and you, you grow sensitive to movement. Mm. And really I think being an artist is about being sensitive in whatever medium you move, you, you, you work within. So if you're a musician, of course, you're very sensitive to sound. If you're a dancer, to movement. If you're a painter, to colour. Mm. So I think, I mean, you know, I am the kind of link between them all because it come, it's all coming through yeah. me. And I think there are, there's obviously um, themes that resurface. I, my work's often about contradiction. So there's there's tensions between fragility and strength um, or like euphoria and sadness or pain and pleasure. I'm quite interested in in how these two, you know, these opposites exist. I feel like often when you're like deeply happy, you get a sense of sadness as well. Yeah. So I guess it's like part of the human condition, really. Um, Like, why are we here? What are we? (laughs) What are we doing? Um, and often, often my work has religious kind of connotations that that come through. Um, I'm not religious myself, but I'm kind of fascinated by. It. I used to be terrified of the church. Mm. Going into a church, um, I used to cry, like, and I, I was just so terrified of all the effigies. And um, so I don't know if that's you know me kind of grappling with that fear. Also, another tension you know, or contradiction is like fear and intrigue, you know, drawn towards the things that, that scare you. Um, yeah, so that, yeah, the body, movement. When I often, when I'm drawing, it's quite a, like a, not a ly- lyrical act, but uh, I don't know how to say it. Sort of, my body will play quite a big part in. Mm. Um, the gesture of the charcoal or um, and then within I think they all they all kind of yeah definitely influence each other but everything you know as you experience it influence everything you see with such like image-led beings that I think we um, they all influences each other and I I'm also very interested in the kind of the mind and body split um, and how we, how we're connected to our, our bodies and how we experience and how our, our bodies hold memory. Um, I, I broke my back when I was 18. I did it actually on Bournemouth beach um, and I did a front flip and I landed on my neck oh, and gosh. I broke two vertebrae in my spine. So that also led me on this, um, journey of like growing sensitive to my own body 
and to healing and um, to listening to my body and like one, I guess my body's is now going to hold that um, fracture, you know, in my body forever. So there's so yeah, there's lots of different kind of layers that I'm you know always working with, and it'll pull me in one way to produce work in one medium, and then. Um, but I'm hoping that this this next six months where I where I'm working with I'm going to work with a Bhutto dancer. I'm going to bring a contact improvisation dancer over from Berlin, and um, also go to Scotland and work there and, and try and find this space where where mm. I can do um, cross the, the languages. Beautiful! I can't wait to see see what happens, see what you find. Um, this is maybe a little bit of an indulgent question on my part, but what's what's your studio like? What um, is it neat? Is it messy? Is it full of music or podcasts? Do you need silence? What's your sort of ideal creative environment, I suppose? I'm definitely a messy person. Mm-hmm. It kind of swings between absolute chaos and then me feeling so overwhelmed by the chaos that I have to tidy it all up. Yeah. Um, but I've always, since I was really, really young, like since I was drawing, you know, I don't know how old, maybe six. Mm. I, my favourite thing to do was to put on a, uh, an audio book and draw. I would do it like every Saturday or every weekend. And it's still my favorite thing to do. It's like, you know, if I just have space to do nothing, that's what I'll gravitate towards. I'll listen to Audible. I'm not a very good reader. I don't, I don't enjoy the, the act of reading. Um, I'm really dyslexic as well. Um, but to listen, I love listening. And it, it kind of takes my mind away. And I'm focusing on, you know, the story and I think that allows space to kind of channel something else yeah. or to get into a meditative um, state where then I, I'll kind of, you know, at the end of the day, I'll stop listening and kind of wake up to what I've produced. And I think that's the most um, kind of beautiful state of flow yeah. for me when I don't really know exactly what I'm doing or why I'm doing it. But then I look back and I, there's a lot, you know, there's all, everything is there. And it doesn't happen, you know, it doesn't happen all the time to be able to get into that state. Mm. Um, but I think I have to, I've learned that I need to make space for it. To, you know, like, like that idea, the Japanese concept of ma, to make space for the potential to happen um, is really important. And to grow sensitive and to, to feel. When I, when I overthink things, it never comes out as I want it to, really. I have to kind of, remove my mind mm. um and get into a different state so yeah i definitely listen to podcasts have quite a messy studio um i am the kind of person that has like 15 things going on at once usually you know i have like 25 tabs open on my laptop yeah. um <laughs> my desktop looks horrendous <laughs> but yeah so i'll i jump between things quite a lot mm. um and also I get this, so when I, when I get really excited about making work, or if I haven't drawn for a long time, I get this like tingling in my arms here. And I know that I'm like, okay, I have to make work. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I also have to kind of step back from it because if I get too excited, I'll make something and, it, it, and then I'll get really downhearted really quickly because it, mm. it isn't what I want. So I, I've now learned that I kind of have to slowly like sneak up on the idea. Yeah. Um, and like gently go into it and then I can keep going for like you know quite a long time and and produce maybe some good work I don't know I guess that's the thing you just have to keep working and you know like I guess if you're a photographer you have to take hundreds of photos to get one good piece and it's the same for drawing really you just have to keep working and there's no um there's no like measure of time that makes a good piece Mm. You know, you could make something, do a quick scribble and it's like the best thing you've done in three months. Or you could do a very laboured, extensive, yeah. researched, you know, project piece. And, it, and then that's, I don't even know what a good piece of art is, really. Mm. You know, that's a whole yeah. other debate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and do you paint like that when, when, like, do you just sort of go all over the canvas and just 
do whatever or, or are you a bit more um methodical in what you what you start with or what you work on at a time I work very intuitively mm. and always have always have done I don't really have um obviously I have an understanding of my own process but I don't have um like I don't I don't drink the same coffee at the same time day mm. I don't wake up at the same time I don't I don't really have any like pattern of routine in my yeah. life and I've learned that's actually fine yeah. <laughs> you know a lot of people do need routine but I I don't I and mm. I, it's the way that I work and like earn money as well as from having so many different jobs and you know juggling it means that yeah. it's um I have no like steady income but I can juggle a lot of things and somehow make it work um what was the question again oh no I was just wondering sort of when you're painting it do you is it just all over or yeah no um if I'm painting I mean I always go for the part that interests me most yeah or that I'm which could be it could be the anything if I'm drawing a portrait for example or painting a portrait it could be you know the, the sense of expression in their eyes or it could be like the foreshortening of their their face or you know some some part of their face I don't always start with you know like the eyes necessarily um I definitely work from the inside out though mm. I don't I never like draw the outside of a face first it will always kind of grow naturally quite yeah. organically like from a center place um and now I I when I when I paint I usually I like making my own canvases and um stretching them and using rabbit skin glue um because I like this the, the feeling of of the brush on the raw canvas mm. rather than like a gessoed surface and I like the way that the the paint has a freedom to move which it doesn't on like a very primed canvas mm. it kind of sits on the surface more um but yeah I think I I do work differently every time um and like my, my color palette changes I mean at the moment I really love um like bird umber and um like I make kind of a tealy color out of ultramarine and burnt umber and I quite like this like rich dark colors um yeah I don't think I have much of a solid mm. method but definitely like understanding anatomy is key for me to be able to to kind of work with the skeleton and know what's under the form mm. um because I think if you if you can understand that then your lines you become much more fluid with the lines that you you know instinctively where you know how an arm is curved because you know the muscles underneath it and you know the way the bone twists um so that allows me to work very quickly and also when i'm when i'm drawing from life especially like portraiture um because i used to draw a lot on trains when i was little well, when i was younger um i would you wouldn't know how long they were going to sit for mm. so it meant that i would go I'd go very quickly to the the thing that I was interested in because I wouldn't know how long I'd have to draw. It might be like 30 seconds and they're going to leave, but you don't know. So I try and attack um, drawings that I make with that similar kind of urge and necessity because it means that I don't have time, A, to like think about it. Um, I get, and I go extinct instinctively to the part that really fascinates me. Shall we move on to the questions that I ask all my guests, the ones that I sent you? The first one was, um, can you tell me about an artist who's made an impression on you and your work? So I, I was thinking about this and I, an artist that I've just recently mm -hmm. rediscovered in a way is Jenny Savile. And I know that she has, in a way, she's become like a bit of a cliche to like because you know she's part of the YBAs and I think there was a point where like everybody loved her work so she became very popular and then sort of quite unpopular to like her it was a bit mm. uncool <laughs> but she's kind of one of the reasons that I went to Glasgow School of Art because she went there to mm. study 
and um I'm and I, I I kind of was re-looking at her work the other day and just thought actually I find it so powerful um the way that she uses paint mm. as this like visceral bodily like skin-like um material and the boldness of her color and the way that she um like fills the canvases with these bodies i love the way that she presses presses the space so that the the figures are contained mm. and i think in my work actually i often have this sense of like figures being contained within a space whether it's a found object or a space that i've created um everything kind of relates to the edge mm. um, and when i was you know at school at hardy's i discovered her work and I, I was just so moved by it. And, and to be able to see these like big fleshy, almost grotesque bodies, but also as beautiful, this kind of, mm. again, this contradiction of like grotesque and beauty. And um, I suppose they're found like, you know, you can find them everywhere in life. So I felt like there's such a reflection of life and of realness of mm. like, the real existence of having a body and the weight of it and its form and like the density of it and how it exists within a space. Mm. Um, and her drawings as well, this kind of layering that I loved. So I think she probably has had a huge effect mm. on me really um, that I definitely can't deny. I think one of, one of my pieces that I talked about in the, the discussion last week, Temptations, that was hugely in, influenced by her. Um, it's like figure sitting on a stool um, to do with kind of pressures on young people and um, temp, uh, like the decisions that you make forming the way that your life goes. Mm. Um, and also the way that Jenny Savile like grapples with being, you know, a woman, a female artist, a woman painter um, in the 21st century and, and kind of having the weight of the, you know, the history of, figurative painting mm. um so yeah i think i also like you know the way that she the gestures that she uses within her like huge mm. brush marks mm. that are so bodily you know and there's yeah. this like record of the action that she's made which in a way has like a rhythm to it which then relates again to like the yeah. body and movement and dance and um human experience i suppose yeah so. I, I remember, I don't know if I read it or if I sort of watched a film of her or something, but I remember her talking about how every brush mark has a different sort of perspective or some, something like that. And I, I just, I think about it all the time when I'm painting. And yeah, like I say, I can't remember when I heard her say it or where or whatever, but I'm always in awe of her, how aware she is of the paint itself. And um, yeah, yeah, I think she's, yeah, I always, she's another one who's like always in my head when I'm painting. Um, the next question is, what impression would you like your work to make on the world? And I know this is a really, really massive question. So we can, yeah, in, in a small way, in a big way. Yeah, however you it want to It is a hard it. question yeah. to answer. Um, I mean, in a way, I suppose you don't really know how your work is going to be received. Mm. I mean, I, I try to make work without thinking about this audience. Mm. Um, and I, and I guess going back to the sense, the idea of sensitivity, I think with, with visual art, there is a sense of, of a transfer of energy mm. that communicates what you're feeling at the time that you create it if you're really present in what you're, you're feeling and what you're making, um, I think it does translate to the viewer. Mm. Um, so I, I mean, I hope that, I hope I, for me, the most powerful work hits me on like an emotional level before it, before I can analyze it, mm. you know, I'll just be like, wow, that's so beautiful. It happened in Florence when I saw, um, the unfinished slaves by michelangelo and i just found it like 
deeply emotionally moving mm. um these big pieces of stone you know that he's carved into shapes that are fairly abstract but there was such a sense of like humanity and um these huge ma- like m- masculine forms mm. being being like so fragile um and I suppose that's kind of where my interests are. Like I was saying, it's mm. like um, these contradictions and the ways that we can explore really like who we are and how we feel and why we feel that way and how these these tensions kind of jostle and move, move together. Um, and I'm always looking for a sense of poetry, I think, um, that, doesn't, that doesn't tell you everything the spaces that you can for you as a viewer to kind of fill with your own experience because you know everyone that looks at a piece of art brings all of their own connections and experiences and and you'll never know what they are you know unless someone tells you but um I quite I love it when someone comes to a piece of work and and sees something completely different than I Mm. than I see or than I intended um because it's just like wow you can you can find your own language through what i've what i've made um but i i mean i would love to say that my work gives people like lighthearted like fun and um but i don't think it does i think there's always a sense of not necessarily a weight of like human existence but a kind of interrogation of like sadness or um there's this really nice word I think it's Russian and it's Tosca um and it it means something like um oh no I've forgotten what it means that's terrible (laughs) it's like um, a deep a deep sadness Mm. um like a deeply profound sadness but that like connects you to everyone and Mm. everything um I don't I don't want my work to make people feel sad at all it's just it always has that like sense of a I don't know an emotional undertone mm-hmm. but I mean I guess we're like salient beings and um I hope that there's I just hope people kind of remember remember it and it sits mm-hmm. with them I think the biggest compliment I get from someone looking at my artwork is it's just like silence silence and someone just taking it in and like really wanting to be with it um I remember Miss Davies used to do that she'd look through my sketchbooks and she'd just like turn each page very gently and I just I that was like the best thing that she could have done yeah so yeah yeah because really I suppose whilst I've asked you the question often it's not something that can really be put into words if it's something that's being communicated visually, that's why it's been communicated in that way. Um, exactly. I think yeah. if you could say, if I could say it with words, yeah. then I maybe wouldn't be an artist yeah. or a painter, you know, because yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't come out in that language. Yeah. So it's also, I don't always necessarily know what I'm trying to communicate, mm. which maybe is a weird concept, but I'll look back at the work maybe a year later yeah. and I'll see the, the significance of it or how I was, um, influenced by what was happening around me or what was happening in the world um you know I'm sure that there was a piece that I did which I mentioned again um called the Magdalene Laundries which was inspired by um yeah the Magdalene Laundries in, in Ireland mm. where like 30,000 women and like young girls were incarcerated and um forced to basically slave mm. labor but I pro- I didn't really understand the you know the context and weight of what I was what I was kind of trying to communicate Mm. um but I feel like now looking back at the work it does have much more um like it taps into a language much more depth than I than I'd realized at the time Um, Mm. and I think that often kind of happens I'll look back and think oh wow that's why I did that Mm. that's you know it wasn't just by chance of course but it's you're 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 kind of operating on a slightly different level I don't know maybe spiritual or I don't know yeah you know, there's that yeah um and another question I sent you was um 
Is there a piece of art um, in sort of any medium that you would like or would think that everyone or everyone's quite a big sort of that a lot of people could connect to and maybe it would help communicate something or make the world a better place or something like that? So I suppose I'll talk about one of the like most profound pieces that I saw, mm. um, which my dad took me to see. He took me to Prague for my 18th birthday. And we went to see the Slav epic by Alphonse Mucha. Mm. Um, and Alphonse Mucha is a, a Czech painter. And he, I mean, he's most known for his kind of Art Nouveau designs of posters. He did a lot of posters of Sarah Bernhardt, who's an actress. Um, but he, he managed to leave um, Prague and travel to Paris and America and, um, earned quite a lot of money and I think he I mean I read that he felt very you know back in back in his home country um there was so much oppression and um he felt like he needed to tell the story of his his people Mm. so he created this over 18 years it was like 1910 to 1928 he created 20 paintings that are like 10 meters by 10 meters um and they're now all in Prague as this, this series of work. And it's, it just tells the story of like the way, I mean, the history basically of, mm. of the people of this country in, in such a powerful way. A, because they're huge. You, know, you, you, you stand in front of them and you feel tiny. <laughs> um, but they just resonate this the colour and the, the compositions and the layering, um, he's incredible with tones. And it shows the, his ability, you know, his painting ability. It's just phenomenal. Um, and I, it, I was just so inspired by, by the way that he'd, yeah, by the, by the paintings, basically. And I would love if everyone could see them um, because it's this, this story of humanity and, you know, some are incredibly sad or terrifying scenes almost like um you know like Dante's Inferno kind of imagery and then some are so hopeful and joyous um and it it's just that like his ability to communicate um this narrative of the people but I don't think it's necessarily you know just about the Slavic people Mm. it's 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 part of yeah existing and humanity and Mm. Um, I'm sure you could find within that like something that would relate to the experience of COVID or the isolation. Yeah. Or, um, so I, I I would love to transport everyone to Prague and <laughs> yeah, give them that experience. Oh, that There's just... so many pieces that I would love to mm. share with. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's such a perfect answer. Thank you. Um, the final question I sent you was just a sort of: Do you have recommendations for listeners of things you've been enjoying reading listening to watching anything like that just um just to sort of share yeah share with listeners um I mean I suppose I was thinking about like the drawing school because that's Mm. so um prominent in my my recent experience um it's just been like if you want to draw (laughs) if you love drawing um they have lots of classes uh, at the drawing school and online mm. um, um yeah I would say if anyone wants to kind of get back into drawing or or find refine their love for it it's a really brilliant brilliant school mm. um and then actually recently I, I just discovered this this guy called um Marshall I don't know how to spell how you say his last name wait what is it McLuhan Marshall McLuhan mm. Um, who was, I think he was maybe like a philosopher, but like in the 1960s. But I just found a talk by him recently, which I found really interesting. And it was, he was talking about the internet and, Mm. you know, as it was beginning, this idea of like, I think he wrote a book called Message is the Medium. Mm. Um, And it's about the way that we communicate, the medium that we communicate through, um, alters the way that we like perceive it and I just found that this discussion that he had was um 
everyone was quite like like really interrogating the internet and how we could use it in a responsible way and how it might like alter us as mm. you know in the future and i think now we're at this place where we almost we're almost like numb to the negative sides of it mm. as well so it it made me think like yeah really think about how i'm using um all these platforms and how my attention is kind of sporadically jumping between all these apps and like things that I need to do and I think you know as I as I get older it's like you have to really decide where you want to put your Mm. your attention um and for me I'm being mind trying to be mindful of like of actually making the work is the important thing Mm. for me and that I need that I need to be aware not like everything is through a lens you know not not to see the world through a lens and actually to be present and like perceive it as it is um so I yeah I found his talk really really inspiring I guess also I've been quite aware of um in I don't know if you you heard in Glasgow the the two Indian um men that were like taken out of their homes and yes yeah they were going to be deep deported and like 200 people from Glasgow came and surrounded the van and lots of my friends were there and it just and then after they got let out and I just thought wow that's you know that's such an amazing um symbol of like people coming together Mm. um and and a collective collectively like the power that we still have Mm. and even you know that we're all kind of separated or have been for so long um that we still have this like power to come together and sort of pose questions and and debate and um you know stop things from happening or it gives me quite a lot of hope yeah that we can sort of change change the way things are going just mm-hmm. by you know our attention and what we what we're sensitive to and and yeah yeah remembering that we can that we have power when we're together Absolutely. Um, well, Marina, thank you so much for being on my podcast. It's been so lovely to talk to you. Um, before we go, is there anything you wish I'd asked you or anything you feel like, um, yeah, that we've not spoken about? Um, gosh, I can't even remember what we've covered a lot. Um, yeah, um, yeah, me too. Yeah. I, I'm quite interested, I suppose, in in your how you were saying just before we started recording your interest in um, theatre and mm, like mm. visual arts, not yeah, history. And, yeah, I don't know if you if you're thinking of any if you'd like to combine them or like you know how they exist with you within your practice. I think I think I always I always imagine that they were separate, sort of when I was younger I I considered them as separate things because they were so different in the way you make them but I think as I've been working on particularly like theatre just sort of student theatre but I was always um I almost feel like my degree I did English and history of art and theatre almost combines the words and pictures um and same, same with film which I'm also sort of beginning to play with a bit I feel like a film is like it can be a bit of a moving painting if you if you want it to be and I'm definitely noticing I I think that the types of things I try and all of my influences are always the same no matter whether I'm I sort of will use paintings as influences for theatre and and words as influences for drawings and things and I think I'm noticing more and more that really I'm just probably similar to you just having different outlets for the same feelings and the same thing, interests. I suppose the only thing is, I always imagine that I would be, I'd get a bit lonely painting on my own. And I think a part of my being drawn to film and theatre is trying to avoid that loneliness. But I also wonder if maybe that's something to lean into. Um, yeah, that's yeah I think you're, you're so right about like theatre and film having almost like every artistic practice within it yeah probably as, as I think that's why I love it too because you know you have 
you have the prop design you have the yeah. character the narrative the storytelling the music yeah. the lighting the yeah. it's like everything comes together so it's this like heightened sense of life like yeah. all existing in yeah. creativity um and sometimes being just like alone in your studio makes it feel like you know you're sort of there by yourself thinking mm. what am I doing <laughs> I, I mean I have that constant doubt as well so mm. like will anybody ever see this will it will anybody be moved by it um will it actually you know affect anyone and for me that's why I've, I've also recently started doing street street art of like, course yeah street yeah. painting um and that I love because it's so immediate mm. and it's people interact with it as soon as they see it happening and then I suppose as like an audience it's, yeah. it's that sort of feeling that you you need the audience there to to create the, like the right energy or the, mm. the cycle of energy um and Kate Tempest talks about that in like poetry as well there's like a triangle mm. you have the writer and then you have the speaker and the audience um but then the speaker can take on like the audience can take on the speaker's voice, you know, when they're reading by themselves. But to create this kind of full circle means that everything feeds into each other and you get this, like, energy that's created. Um, yeah. So that, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's nice to hear. Yeah. And also, I think, you know, so many, so many filmmakers and artists have been inspired by paintings. Yeah. Um, there's such a dialogue between between mm. like the power of the visual and and then text and yeah there's just so much to be yeah. Like yeah, fueled is. with yeah <laughs> yeah and I, I'm really finding actually the more I pause films to draw them I'm then in, inspired to do something with that drawing and and I'm yeah trying to let that be a sort of an interplay rather than like separate things in my head um, but yeah that's something to play with and see where it goes mm. Yeah, I look forward to seeing it. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, I'm excited to see see what goes and um, what happens with your your project, your dancing and mm. yeah, yeah. I I'm gonna be working like I'm gonna start by drawing a lot from theatre, which mm. I have been doing this year actually. Um, I did a whole piece that was inspired by Peeping Tom Theatre Company. I don't know mm. if you know it, but um, it's quite it's quite an interesting experience to draw from you know performance or like yeah. moving people um because there's so many different aspects that you can capture but you know, nothing still so you've got this sense of like momentum um and the moments like you know being, you can't pause it like you can a yeah. film so yeah um next week i'm gonna work with flabbergast theater company in in London start drawing from them and then see what happens oh amazing yeah How exciting but yeah I've got the two I've got two shows coming up um next in the next two weeks oh, that's so, so yeah if anyone is in London the 4th of June they open well um have a lovely evening um it was really nice to speak to you and I really look forward to seeing where your work goes next thank you so much thank, thank you, you Marina <laughs> Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>